Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, it's good to be with you today, friends. I'm excited to share with you. Tennille and I enjoyed uh, this hospital drama called New Amsterdam. I don't know if you've seen it, but we really enjoyed it. It was about an innovative medical director who'd become responsible for this hospital in this large American city that was tasked with delivering free health care, Canadian-style health care, to the needy people in their city. And this director came in, and on the very first day, he defined his leadership by a singular question, a question that he would ask every time he walked in a room, every time he was confronted by someone that was frustrated by the red tape, every time he was sitting with someone who was facing an impossible medical hurdle, every time he himself was facing a leadership crisis, he would ask a question, a question that is deceptively simple, but it had the incredible power to transform. What was the question? Here it is. How can I help? How can I help? It was like his mantra. It defined who he was and what he was about. And he really meant it. In order to fulfill New Amsterdam's mission to provide health care and, and, and medical procedures to people who couldn't afford it, he then would bend over backwards. In fact, a lot of the show was about him sort of lifting heaven and earth to actually help. How can I help? Hold on to that question because it's going to define our conversation today. Over the next few weeks, we're exploring our mission as the Erickson Covenant Church. I like to kind of come back around that a few times a year. It's important for us because it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? And we need reminders. I need reminders. What are we all about? It's important that we focus on the task that Jesus has given us, that we remember what we're all about. What is our mission as the Erickson Covenant Church? It's to help people find and follow Jesus. Why? So they flourish in Jesus and fulfill his mission to the world. Find, follow, flourish, and fulfill. Last week, we explored the first one, to help people find Jesus. And if you missed that, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and watch that message, because the messages all kind of build on each other as we explore our mission as a church. This week, we're going to explore what it means for us to help people follow Jesus. And here's where we go back to our opening question. How can I help? Because I think when we say that we as a church are committed to helping people follow Jesus, it's easy for the people in that statement to remain maybe vague or theoretical. 
sort of out there. And I want to challenge and encourage and invite us today to make it personal, direct, to put names around these people that we're helping follow Jesus. And so let's ask the question together. How can we help? Let's get real specific. How can we help each other follow Jesus? How can I help you follow Jesus? How can you help me? What does it look like for us to help each other take that next step after Jesus? In many ways, that's kind of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. I mean, what it looks like on a day-to-day level, that it is quite simply we who are following Jesus trying to help others follow him too. When you boil it right down, that's what it means. We help each other take that next step. And so before we go any further, I want you and I to think really clearly about who these people are, who that person is in your life. Who exactly are you helping follow Jesus? Maybe it's that mom who's in your life, a mom of young children. You've been developing a relationship with her, and you realize right now, I need to help her follow Jesus. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a senior that you've been connecting with who's struggling in their faith. How can you help him follow Jesus? Do you see what I mean? I'd like you to be thinking about, in really practical terms, naming these people. Who is it in your life? Maybe it's a skeptical, agnostic friend who can't seem to stop having conversations with you about religion or about politics or whatever it is. And you realize... I need to figure out how to help him follow Jesus. Also find him, but follow Jesus. Maybe it's a long-term follower of Jesus who's struggling with an addiction. Can you put a name around that one? Or maybe it's the judgmental, insecure Christian who tends toward legalism. That one who may be a thorn in the side of your flesh. Can you put a name around it? Your child, your spouse, a friend, a coworker. But my invitation to us is that we make this mission personal. That's what we're going to do today. So that we're defined by this question how can I help? So, who you got? Who's in your life? We'll keep coming back to this today. And what does it look like for you to help them take the next step after Jesus?
I think this is exactly how the Apostle Paul, along with loads of other followers of Jesus, I think it's how they understood their day-to-day following of Jesus, their day-to-day ministry, what it meant to be an active Christian. It was actually helping people follow Jesus. I'm often struck by Paul's heart for the various followers of Jesus that he was connected with, that he was helping, and how his many letters express that desire to keep helping them. Whether they're doing well, whether they're struggling, Paul shows up. Obviously, he shows up in person. Thankfully, he also showed up through the written letter, and that's what we get, with this deep desire to help these people, wherever they were at, whatever their context, whatever their struggle, whatever, whatever kind of relational things are going on, whatever theological things are going on, whatever's happening from outside, he shows up with a deep desire to help them follow Jesus. Listen to his heart for the followers of Jesus in the ancient city of Thessalonica. This is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul's relaying to them about how he was, they were, his team, he and his team, how they were when they were among these Christians in Thessalonica. He said, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Did you hear that there? Did you hear the passion, the heart? Did you hear the commitment, that the, really the absolute drive to do whatever it took to help these people follow Jesus? He describes himself as caring like a, like a nursing mother for her kids. I mean, that's a powerful image. He, he just talks about how he, he shared not just the good news. It wasn't just a, a message that was delivered, but that he shared his very life. They got in with them. They opened up. Vulnerable. Honest. Authentic. He talks about the hard work of toiling away day and night, doing whatever it took, not wanting to be a burden, not wanting anything to stand in the way to help these people follow Jesus and describes the integrity with which they lived. And then he switches from one parent, the nursing mother, to the dad. He says, dealing with them as a father would deal with his own children. Then he gives descriptions around that, how they were, they were encouraging and comforting and urging them. What? to live lives worthy of God, 
to follow Jesus. How can I help indeed? It's just such a beautiful description, yes, of Paul. But this responsibility doesn't just lie with apostles or, you know, evangelists or some of these special class of people. It doesn't just lie with a pastor. It's actually a shared responsibility, a shared calling that we all have for each other, that we're called to help each other follow Jesus. And so even today, just like last week, when we talk about the mission of the Erickson Covenant Church is to help people find and follow Jesus, I want us to remember that, yes, that's true of us organizationally. That's true of us in how we structure our life together as the Erickson Covenant Church. But it's true of us personally. That we, as God's people, as followers of Jesus, as as active members of the Erickson Covenant Church, we're living this out in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our relationships. It defines who we are. We walk around asking the question, how can I help? And I want to be super practical today. I'm not like expounding something new to us. We're rallying back around our mission. It's serving as a reminder. I I want to be super practical today. And I really hope each one of us walk away today with some real clarity on what our next step is as we help others take their next step. And so let me share at least three ways that we help people follow Jesus. And remember, I said people, but I actually want you to insert the names of who you're thinking of already. This is how I help John follow Jesus. This is how I help Janet follow Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Fill it right in as we go. The first way that we help people follow Jesus, we help each other follow Jesus, is that we walk and talk together. Walk and talk together, I think, is a way of capturing what Paul said here to the Thessalonians. He said, we didn't just share the good news with you. In other words, we didn't just preach a message to you. We didn't just have a Bible study with you. We actually shared our lives. To help each other follow Jesus, we need to do the same. We need to share our lives with each other. And walking and talking is a way of describing that. That we join together as we follow Jesus. And we're, we're sharing our life with each other as we do. In another letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian Christians or a group of people in Ephesus, he, he described a similar thing. It's right at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4, he said, as a prisoner for the Lord, because he was literally in prison for Jesus at that point. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. All the way through the Scripture, all the way through certainly the letters of Paul and beyond, there is this invitation that we would actually walk after Jesus together, sharing in life together. Now, some of you are already doing this. Some of you really intentionally have decided, as we've been issuing this challenge over the last year, to find a spiritual friend, 
to make a commitment to walk monthly, literally walk down a road or get together for coffee or tea, but to walk together after Jesus and to talk together about your life in Christ. This walking and talking defines a spiritual friendship, and it's something that uh, more and more of us have decided we're going to try. I'm so happy about that because I believe it's transformative. But friends, some of you haven't done that yet, and I I just want to encourage you to try it. It's a super practical way that you help someone as they are helping you follow Jesus. We walk and we talk, and spiritual friendship is a beautiful way of doing that. It's not the only way, but it is a beautiful way that we walk and talk and help each other follow Jesus. The second way that we help each other follow Jesus is that we encourage and we empower each other. That we actually orient ourselves, the the very sort of tone or demeanor of our life together is one of encouragement and empowerment. Now, one of the dominant ways we do that is in the way that we speak to one another, isn't it? What we say, what we, what we write in a, in a note, uh, the, the kind of things we lift up, the kind of things we share about, where we think, what can I do to encourage this person? How can I empower them? What do they, what do they need to hear that would really help them continue to follow Jesus in the way that they already are. So encouraging and empowering is an incredible way that we help each other follow Jesus. A little further on in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talked about this exact thing. He said, speaking the truth in love, which sometimes we think immediately as uh, something confrontational, but think about it. Speaking the truth in love is also a beautiful way of just saying, loving people in encouraging ways. Speaking the truth in love. He says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Do you hear that? We help each other grow. When we empower each other, and we encourage each other when we speak the truth in love. So, when you think about the people in your life, whether that's a a kid or whether that's a workmate or a spiritual friend or someone here in our congregation, you think, okay, I can help that person follow Jesus by encouraging them and empowering them. How can I do that? That's the kind of question... I'd like you to ask this week, like, how can I do that? Maybe you're going to write a card. Maybe you're going to make a phone call. Maybe you're going to think of some creative way of just saying, I really appreciate who you are and what you're doing. Maybe you'll pick one of our worship leaders, someone who's serving in children's ministry. Maybe you'll think of some of the people who are serving out in the community that you've noticed, that you've heard about, or someone that has been encouraging to you. But pick a practical way to encourage them to speak the truth in love to them and build them up. Another key way that I want to encourage you to consider this is in practical mentoring, where you look at a younger person 
Maybe it's someone in your life. Maybe it's someone that you initiate a relationship with, but you begin to think, how can I walk alongside someone who's growing and learning and encourage and empower them? The truth is, there's so much we can do to help people who are struggling. I think we need to do that. But there's also so much we can do to help people go further who are already doing well. And so take a look around you. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to someone that you could mentor, that you could encourage and empower. We need it. And if you are a mature follower of Jesus, uh, we need you more than ever. More than ever. Uh, So to be encouraging and empowering is a beautiful way that we help each other follow Jesus. I hope you're already thinking of a name. Number three, we help each other follow Jesus when we respond and restore. Respond and restore. The truth is, we all falter, don't we? We all struggle. We're all frail. We need grace. We need each other. We need each other to help each other up. In another letter, again, from Paul, He said this at the beginning of Galatians chapter 6. He said, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now this is a tricky thing, and I realize that but it's also very important. It's challenging because, let's be honest, we live in a time where any kind of critique, any kind of challenge, any kind of suggestion sometimes that we aren't quite doing something right can be met with significant resistance. But the question still remains, how can we posture ourselves with each other in a grace-filled way that we can actually seek each other's restoration when we fall, when we mess up. What does that look like? I'm going to strip away that kind of harsh judgmentalism, that legalism that kills all that stuff. We need to strip that away and yet be concerned for each other when we might be missing something or, or hurting someone or hurting ourselves, going a direction that will ultimately lead to our harm. This is very hard. Relational trust is necessary. And I don't have a full answer to that because, to be honest with you, I've, I can recall situations where that's been attempted and it's not been received very well. I get it. So here's what I think. If it's true, which I believe it is, Scripture says it is, if it's true that we help each other follow Jesus by responding and restoring, particularly to times when I've fallen off the track, or you have. Here's how we need to start. We need to start now by opening ourselves up to each other and inviting each other to speak into our lives. No one appreciates someone, you know, T-boning them at an intersection with their criticism or the thing, nobody, nobody likes that. But perhaps we could start the other way around in your spiritual friendship with someone that you're already close with, 
where you begin to say, look, I know a significant way that we help each other follow Jesus is when we receive uh, feedback from each other. When we uh, even are, are offered some correction or challenge. I want to be open to that. And so I'm giving you permission to speak into my life. You know, if you are already walking with a spiritual friend, that would be quite a conversation for you to have. You know, if you notice something, if you notice an attitude, if you notice a harshness or a hatred, or you notice something in me that is drawing me away from Jesus, or, or I tell you something really obvious that like, whoa, that's way outside of what God wants for you, then I'm giving you permission to speak into my life. Maybe that's where we need to start. I don't have the full answer to that, but I know that we help each other follow Jesus when we posture ourselves in grace with an attitude to how can I restore this person? How can I help them up? So perhaps it starts with us giving permission for that right now here in our community. Friends, the question I have is, are we committed to this? Are we committed to helping people follow Jesus? Am I? Are you? I think it's the life we're called to live. I think it's the life that's worthy of Jesus to walk and talk together, to encourage and empower one another, to respond and restore. But that's how we help each other follow Jesus. And when you boil it all down, I think it really is just about putting an arm proverbially around each other and saying, how can we orient ourselves toward Jesus? And how do we take that next step? Wherever people are at, whatever they're going through, how do we orient toward Jesus and take that next step? When I think about orienting toward Jesus, it it reminds me that it's actually about the direction, not the perfection. You know, following Jesus, we're going to fall. We're going to stumble. It's not going to be perfect, right? But it's the direction that matters. Are we looking to Jesus and attempting to follow him? That's what matters. That's where the Spirit gives us joy and power and life, and that's how we help each other. So don't get hung up on the perfection bit especially when we know we can help each other stand up again and be restored when we mess up. But let's get clear about the direction we're going. It reminds me that as a, as a runner, I'm you know, trying to learn, do better, and, and they, they, t- they say, the coaches say, that really there's only one way to get to be a better runner. Do you know how? You've got to run. And what they tell you is that your running form the, the technique and, and your efficiency as a runner, it only actually gets better as you do it. Mile upon mile, hour upon hour, over and over again. It's as we go, we grow. And together, our running form, if I could say that, our, our, our life in Christ will grow together as we orient ourselves to Jesus, as we follow after him. And so, as we do that, we simply ask the question, how can I help you? How can I help you take the next step after Jesus? This is true of us as a church. 
This is true of us organizationally. We want to ask the question when we think of our life together, and I think about the teaching that we offer, think about the plans we're trying to make that continue to be somewhat frustrated by the restrictions, but we're trying to make organizationally, we want to be asking the question, how do we help people take that next step after Jesus? What are we doing organizationally? How are we helping our kids follow Jesus as we think about our kids' programs? How are we helping people follow Jesus as we plan our services, as we think about our life together? Okay, so that's true organizationally of us. But where it really meets the road is where you and I recognize that when I get up in the morning, my calling as a follower of Jesus is to help someone else follow him too. And so as we close, I want to make this super practical, as I've been doing all the way through, but I want to challenge you to get really clear in three different ways. First of all, I hope you've done this already, but if you haven't, now's the time. I want you to identify three people in your life, three people in your life that you, that you know you are called to or you can help them follow Jesus. Now, one of them is probably going to be someone really close to you, a close friend, a spouse, a brother, someone you already, you know, yep, that's the person, right? Be a spiritual friend that you're already connected with. And, and there's probably a second one that's fairly easy to identify, someone that you regularly connect with. But, but I actually want to issue a little bit of a, maybe a, something for you to think about would be, could one of those three people be someone that you didn't initially think of? Someone that you're connected with, someone that you, you see maybe even a fair bit, but you wouldn't have immediately thought of them. They weren't an intimate. But they are in your life. I want you to name that person too. And then for all three of them, once you've named them, you go to step two, which is to pray. To ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Literally pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, how can I help George? How can I help Sylvia? How can I help you name the person? How can I help them follow you? Ask Jesus to help you know what to do. It could be that you just need to spend more time with them. It could be that you need to write a letter. It could be that you realize that, actually, I'm already in a relationship with this person. I should be more intentional. Maybe I need to take a first step myself. But pray about it. So identify the three, pray about it. And then the third one is, quite simply, just obey. As you set that before Jesus, be obedient to him. Be obedient to him by helping them take their next step after Jesus. This is where this big mission to help people follow Jesus meets us in our everyday life. And friends, that, is where life transformation occurs. Right there, around our coffee tables, out on our roads, right there where we live, where we connect, whether we share online, over our phone, or in person, this is where the rubber meets the road and the mission of Jesus is fulfilled. 
we help people follow Jesus. Our mission as the Erickson Covenant Church is to help people find and follow Jesus so they flourish in Jesus and fulfill his mission to the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray today that every one of us would take to heart your desire to have people following you and discovering life in you. For each one of us today, would you help us identify very clearly the people around us and in our lives that we can help follow you. Help us not to be overwhelmed by that, but to realize that there's a simplicity to this. There's a simplicity to walking alongside and sharing our life with someone, to encouraging and empowering and responding and sometimes even restoring. There's a simplicity to that because, Jesus, it really is just about following you and inviting others to come along. And so I I pray that there wouldn't be a weird pressure or a sense of overwhelm, but rather an invitation from you that brings joy and excitement to us. So clarify for us who those people are and help us, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be part of your mission. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.